pleasure to introduce Matthew DeLong, who is um, going to be preaching as Jack is away. Um, he has a, uh, been an RUF campus minister at George Mason for the last few, uh, few years, and he's done extensive, extensive ministry with international students, uh, particularly. So, Matthew, welcome here. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> um, it's a pleasure to be here with you this morning. Um, I'm happy to bring God's word to you. Um, you're probably thinking, morning sermon. It's great. Um, I saw it was on Leviticus. Hmm, interesting choice. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure how often, if you ever have a guest preachers come through and they're like, hey, and we're going to be turning to Leviticus. Not necessarily a popular choice, but I, I think you'll be blessed hearing God's word to you from Leviticus. Um, so if you want to go ahead and start turning, if you want to do that, I think it's going to be up, up here to, um, to Leviticus 19. And I want to start out by saying, I recognize that this morning we're all coming into worship, coming from different places. Um, not necessarily geographically, but where we are in our life. Um, some of you may have been loving Jesus and walking, him, walking with Jesus and loving him for quite some time. Some of you may be skeptical. Some of, some of you may think that Jesus is interesting. And some of you may have been thinking, I'm not really sure what to do with Jesus. But I want to tell you that you're in the right place. I'm glad that you're here. You're in the right place uh, this morning because Jesus welcomes you. And I welcome you in Jesus' name. So come with your questions. Come with your doubts, uh, with your hurts, with your brokenness, with your sin. Bring all of it and know that Jesus loves you and that he welcomes you. Our passage this morning is Leviticus 19, verses 33 and 34. This is God's word. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your word, and we ask now that you will give us understanding of it. Uh, through this time together, we ask that your spirit will work mightily in our lives, that you will grow us in faith and in love, that you will transform your people, and that you will conform us to the image of Christ. Father, we ask that you will search our hearts, test us, Know the offensive ways in our hearts, and we ask that you will lead us in the way everlasting. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When my wife Shireen and I first started with RUF International, um, some of the very first international students we met are students that I'll call Sam and Linda. Sam and Linda um, were from Indonesia. Uh, Sam was coming to university to get a master's degree. Um, and they were married, they were moving together, so they had basically uprooted their lives, they'd come to the States to study. And I, had, I first met them on the ride from the airport to their apartment, so we, we met them, we were talking with them, and we were asking, like, what are your, some of your expectations, what do you think life is like here in the United States? 
And as we began forming this relationship, they requested that I sit with them while they look over their lease and check out their apartment um, before they sign everything. And unless you're like maybe a real estate agent or a lawyer or somebody who just really likes legal work, like real estate contracts are long, there's big words in there, and that's if you're like me and English is your first language. Um, it can be quite a challenge to work through all this paperwork. And so we're sitting at the desk, we're reading through all these things, we're trying to explain uh, what's going on, and then we went to check out uh, this apartment that they had reserved online because they were very responsible people. So they had reserved this apartment online from Indonesia, and they get here, and they're going to check it out for the very first time. Their new home in America. And so we go to the apartment, and we start walking, and two steps in, and our socks, both of them, are soaking wet. Because for some reason, the, the apartment complex thought the best time to clean the carpets was the day that somebody was showing up. I don't understand that. Um, and the, another big thing that happened was they walk in, and it's empty rooms. All the rooms are empty. Um, and this is one of those cultural things, right? Because for them, they were expecting a furnished apartment because that's the way apartments come. And here, here they are, wet carpets, no furniture. And so Sam and Linda stayed with Shireen and me for a few days while they were getting their bank account set up and getting their phone set up and finding some furniture and just figuring out like what's going on now that they're in the States. Um, Sam and Linda are beautiful examples of many of the people who come to study in the States. Um, they, Sam and Linda were, um, they are, dear brothers and, a dear brother and sister in Christ. But they had come to a foreign country to study in a strange language, not knowing necessarily how the academic programs work here in this country. And so they had left everything, their support network, the food that they were used to, to come and study. Um, and so they very much were strangers in a strange land, right? And because of leaving their support networks, English being a second language, they were also vulnerable. Um, and they, they needed a support system. But they... But one thing I want us to keep in mind, and this is something that we need to remember when we're dealing with international students, refugees, people who are immigrants, they are created in God's image. God has created each one special and they are loved by God because he has created them in his image. And so God cares about them deeply and he loves them deeply. And he calls his people to reflect his character by loving and welcoming the stranger who sojourns with us. Just as God has loved us and welcomed us, God is calling us to love and welcome the stranger who sojourns with us. Now, um, if you forget everything else I'm going to say, I have one thing I want you to remember. So one thing. God loves you 
And God has welcomed you. All right? God loves you and he has, he has welcomed you. Do you all like to say things back to people? So, so let's try that. God loves you and God has welcomed you. All right, with me? God loves you and God has welcomed you. All right. So for our passage here in Leviticus 19, um, let's, let's go back in biblical history and let's think about another time where people traveled. There was a famine in Palestine, in the Promised Land. There was a famine. And so God's people left the Promised Land because God said it was okay. But they left the Promised Land and they went to a strange country called Egypt. They had a different language, they had different customs, they had different food, and in fact, like you, you kind of pick up this in, um, in Genesis, but the Egyptians looked down on the Hebrews. They had these strange customs, and so they were looked down upon. But because of the famine, because God was keeping his people alive through this deliverance, God took his people to a land of different customs, different language, different food, different laws. And there, and there they were. And they were there for a while. And then we hear that there was a new king. There was a change in who was ruling Egypt. And this king forgot this man named Joseph. Right? He forgot Joseph. And so he begins to oppress and enslave the Israelites. And the Israelites call out to God, and he hears their cry. And in Exodus, you know, it says that um, God heard and remembered. And I don't want you to think of when it says remembered that somehow God forgot. Basically, that's, that's Bible language for saying, hey, God, God has heard their cry, and it is now time for his, him to act in regards to his covenant, to regards to his promises to his people. And so God sends Moses to help free his people, the Israelites. You might remember that um, Pharaoh wasn't too happy about this, right? He was like, no, I really don't want to let the Israelites go. I'm getting some cheap labor out of this, and so I don't want them to go. And so God was like, well, I'm going to encourage you. And, and so he sends these plagues, right? Plagues that show God's might, that show that he is working his promises out to save his people. And in these promises, he's also working against um, some of the customs, some of the, some of the superstitions, some of the false religion there in Egypt, showing that the gods of Egypt are not real gods. There is one Lord, and he is mighty and he is over all. And so the people of Egypt leave. And then Pharaoh again is like, no, no, no. I, I changed my mind again. I'm going to get these people back. And so there they are. They're by the Red Sea. And the people of God, the Israelites, they are, let's say it mildly, they're scared. Right? Really, they're petrified. Because the Egyptian army with their chariots are coming after them. And they're stuck between an army and the Red Sea. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Are they going to die there in the wilderness? No, God works mightily. He, he, he causes this east wind to come, separates the Red Sea so that the Israelites can walk across. 
And that's what they do. The Israelites walk across the Red Sea. And then it says that the Egyptian army tries to follow them. And it's a disaster. The waters come crashing in on them and Pharaoh's army drowns. This is such a mighty victory. This is such a mighty deliverance that God's people even sing about it. So in Exodus 15, you get this song about God's deliverance of his people. And so God's people are continuing on, and then God leads them to Mount Sinai, and he gives them the Ten Commandments that we repeated this morning, right, with our creedal reading and recitation. He gives them the Ten Commandments, reminds them of his promises to them, of his relationship with them, and their relationship to him. And then as they're continuing on to the promised land, the land that God has promised to give them, that he's leading them up to, he also gives them further instruction. And that's what we get here in Leviticus 19. And it says this, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger, stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. There's a couple things I want, want, to, want us to notice here. One, notice that God reminds the Israelites that when they get into the promised land, that they get to their place, that they're not to oppress or enslave the people who come to sojourn with them. Because they know what it's like. They just left Egypt. They were in slavery. They were mistreated. And they know what it's like. God's like, remember that. Remember that feeling. Remember what that's like. You are not to do that to the people who come to sojourn with you. Remember that. And then I think this, is, this part is like amazing. This part grounds this command. Because he's saying, at the very end of verse 34, it says, You were strangers in the lands of Egypt, so they know what it's like. And then he says, I am the Lord your God. He's saying, all of this is based on our relationship. Because I am your God and you are my people, these are the things you are to do. Because I loved you, because I have created you, because I have redeemed you, this is what you are to do. Because I am the Lord, your God. Based on his relationship with them and on his character, this is what God's people are to do. As themselves, because they know what it's like to sojourn in a strange land and it reflects the character of the Lord, their God. So what do you think? The Israelites, get, the Israelites after 40 years of wandering, they do get into the to the promised land, how'd they do? It's kind of a mixed bag, right? Sometimes you hear about, like, Boaz. Boaz helped welcome Ruth, helped take care of Naomi being a widow. That's good. But there's also so many times in which the Israelites... They didn't remember what it was like. They didn't remember the character of God. They didn't reflect his character in loving those who came to sojourn with them. And so there are often times in which the Israelites mistreated others. So they failed. They didn't get it. 
So a few hundred years later, God sends his son, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus comes. And so God's people were to reflect his character. Jesus did reflect God's character perfectly. He loved God perfectly. He loved the stranger perfectly. Uh, an example of this is from Matthew 9. It says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were, har because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Jesus' heart was one of love that was full of compassion for the crowds. And don't think that these crowds who went out to see Jesus were all Israelites, right? Because throughout the Gospels, we hear that people were coming from Judea, from Jerusalem. But we also hear about Jesus going through Samaria, visiting Tyre and Sidon, right? So it's not just Israelites here. Jesus has compassion on them. And in Jesus, God demonstrated his love. He demonstrated his love for you and for me. That even while we fall short, while we disobey God, that when we know we are to reflect God's character, and we don't do it, Jesus still demonstrated that love to us, and that he died for us. Galatians 4 says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are his sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. God, God has loved you and he has welcomed you. And he has done this Primarily through Jesus. He loves you and he welcomes you. And we see this in a few different ways. One of the ways that we see God's love and welcome for us is what we see in John 14. Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus is saying, Hey, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Jesus is exercising hospitality. He's going to be welcoming you. He has welcomed you. Jesus is preparing a place for us. Um, so my, under, my understanding of this passage changed um, earlier, a couple years ago. I had a student who uh, was at Mason. And uh, because of the pandemic and everything went online, she went back to her home country in Central Asia. And so she was there, and we were doing this Zoom call. We were, we were doing this meeting, and she shows up, and it's video. Um, because everybody loves video until after the first 10 minutes, and you're like, man, I'm wiped out. Um, but we're, we're, in this, we're in this Zoom meeting, and we're like, wow, where are you? That's a really big room. And she's like, oh, I, I'm at my house. It's like, oh, really? She's like, would you, would you, like, to, would you like a tour after we're finished? We're like, uh, yeah, really we would. Um, so what had happened, she had gone back to her, father's, her, her father and mother's house in Central Asia. And their family was wealthy enough that they had this big house. So that there was room for her parents, her and her siblings, and their children. 
Um, and basically right next door was her uncle's house. So the family was all there together. And so we're looking at this table where she was originally in this meeting. And it was, it was a dining table. She was sitting at this dining table in her father's house that could easily seat 40 people. Um, she's given us this tour. She's shown us in the different rooms. Okay, this is where my parents are. This is where my brother and his family are. And she showed us like multiple kitchens, right? Um, so it's, it's one of those things that for her family, they were all together. Her father had prepared a place for her family, for the children, for the grandchildren, so that they, they could all be together. Um, and that is what Jesus is doing for us. He is going to prepare a place for us so that in the new heavens and the new earth that we can all be together, so that we can all be in our Father's house. Um, right now, some of you might be like, oh, let me rethink this. Because there's a chance some of you have worked very hard and have this idea in your life, when I get everything set up the way I want it, I'm going to move out on five to a hundred acres. I will not be able to see my neighbors and it'll be nice. And you're like, Matthew, are you telling me that we're all going to be together? It's like, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, one of the beautiful things about the way the Lord works in our hearts is when it comes to the new heavens and the new earth, have no fear. You will actually enjoy being around all of your brothers and sisters then. That may not be the case now, but then it will be the case that we'll be together as one big family and we're going to enjoy it because we're going to be with our father, we're going to be with our elder brother who has prepared a place for us, and we're going to be with the rest of our siblings, and we're going to be worshiping our God. And it will be good. It will be good. Jesus has prepared a place for you because God loves you and God has welcomed you. He, he also feeds you. God feeds you week in and week out. As you come to worship and you hear the word of God proclaimed, your Father is feeding you. He's feeding you spiritually. He's helping you to persevere in this life. Because life isn't always easy, right? Usually life is hard and challenging. And even when things are going well, there are things that may not be going oh so well, right? Life is hard. But your Father is feeding you. He's fortifying you. He's strengthening you. And when we come to the Lord's table, as we're going to be doing later today, He'll also be feeding you. He tells you, come to my banqueting table. Come to my feast. And I will feed you. I will strengthen you. I will sustain you on the way. And as we share the bread and the cup, we'll be feeding upon Christ spiritually. Because we're connected 
to Christ. And we do this because God loves you and he has welcomed you. And this, this is like an appetizer. It's a foretaste of the great big feast that we'll share in the new heavens and the new earth. And so we see that God has shown great love. He's shown us welcome and hospitality to us in Christ. And because of the welcome He has shown you, because of the love He has shown you and lavished upon you, because He has shown you this hospitality, He's calling you, who through faith has been connected to His Son, He's now calling upon you to reflect His character as His child to the stranger. To also show that love and welcome to others. God calls us to love the stranger who sojourns among us. I mentioned this a little earlier. Because strangers who are sojourning with us have left their homes, um, are speaking a different language, are learning new customs and ways, it can be a challenge. They're often vulnerable. Um, I've talked with many international students who have been taken advantage of because people recognize their vulnerability and seek to take advantage of them. But how are we to love the strangers who sojourn with us? God calls us to love the stranger who sojourns with us as the native among us. But even more so, listen to this. You shall love him as yourself. Not just as like, the native among you. You shall love the stranger who sojourns with you as yourself. That's a high level, right? Love the stranger as yourself. Because the stranger who sojourns with us is like you. Fully human. Created in the image of God. Loved by God. And one of the ways that we can show this love and this welcome is to exercise hospitality. Uh, there's, a theolo- there's a theologian who has suggested this. Hospitality means primarily the creation of free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. And one of the beautiful things is we, when we create this room, when we make this space for people, We can go into it knowing that God is at work, right? God is at work. He's working in your life. He's working in his world. And he works in the lives of others. So we we can take some of the pressure off of ourselves and seek to love well. In this area, busyness can be a big hindrance to showing welcome and hospitality. Uh, because we're so busy that there can often be, um, our, our resources are stretched, right? Um, so we need to be mindful how we're using our resources. How we're using our time, how we're using our money, how we're using our energy, how we're using our connections. Can we use those well to love the stranger? Do we need to adjust some of how we use those things to love the stranger well? And we also need to keep in mind that as we're seeking to love the stranger, often coming from different countries, different customs, that we need to be aware of some of these things. 
that we need to try to seek to love them in ways that they'll feel comfortable with, ways that are culturally appropriate. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm meeting a student from the Middle East, a conservative Muslim background, I'm, I'm not going to give a hug to a woman from that background, right? That's not going to work well. That doesn't, that doesn't show respect. That doesn't show love. Um, and so we need to be aware of these things as well. Um, I want us, throughout the day, I want to suggest to you to take five minutes. Take five minutes later today and think about God's love for you. How he's welcomed you. How he's shown hospitality to you. How he's brought you into his family. And be amazed because God loves you and he's welcomed you. The Lord who created the universe. The universe put stars out there. Who upholds this creation. He has placed his love on you. And he knows you so well. He knows the hairs on your head. The same God, Jesus, has laid down his life for you. To redeem you. To reconcile you. And to bring you into God's family. And so as you think about God's love for you. Because he loves you and he's welcomed you. Ponder God's goodness. Because he is good all the time. He is good. He has shown love towards you. Also pray. Ask him for wisdom in what it will look like to show love and welcome to others. Ask him for his spirit to work in you. To give you the grace to do this. To reflect his character in loving the stranger even as you love yourself. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you have made a place for us in your world, in your kingdom, and in your family. You have welcomed us to yourself. And Christ has made peace between us through his own blood. Help us now to rest in your love. May your love, compassion, and welcome so overflow our hearts that we reflect your character. And how we love, welcome, and show compassion to those around us for Jesus' sake. Table, we ask that you will set aside these common elements to feed your children. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.